Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of What is a Podcast? The podcast that took a few weeks off, but not on purpose. It just happened to be um, some situations that you don't need to know. Um, But I took a few weeks off, but I'm here and I'm back. Um, I don't know how consistent I'll be because some situations are still ongoing, but I'm here, I'm back, better than ever, or maybe the same as ever, but we're going to get into it. I also, um, some pod business right up front, of course I have water that I'm going to sip because if I don't sip water, how on earth can I be hydrated? But I am planning on making a Twitter account for this podcast because um, last week, 4th of July week, um, some of my podcasts that I regularly listen to, the ones in the rotation, they um, took the week off and they didn't post that week. So I tweeted out, if you have any podcast recommendations, you know, send them my way, right? So I, I tweeted that. And I was expecting, I honestly wasn't expecting anything, but what I was expecting was if anyone was going to respond, it would be like one of my friends or someone who I don't know in real life, but we interact on Twitter.com. What it was, was a couple like Twitter accounts dedicated to podcasts. They searched, you know, recommending podcasts and recommended their own podcast. And it's a good way to get listeners, I suppose. Um, I know that some podcasts have Instagrams and all that stuff. I haven't made an Instagram because I don't have guests. And like the cool podcast Instagrams always take pictures with the guests. And I don't have um, a guest ever. But maybe I will someday. Or maybe I'll have two podcasts One of them is this one, and the other one I have guests on. That's, I think, the ideal situation if my podcast career ever takes off in any way, shape, or form. But um, I'm thinking about making a Twitter account and maybe, you know, clipping out some sound bites that I could post um, audio onto the Twitter account and then go from there and maybe get more listeners. I don't do this necessarily for the listeners, but it is something that, you know, I'd like to think I'm good at Twitter. I like to think that um, I can make a successful Twitter account for this podcast. So I'm thinking about doing that. And I'm probably not going to post this right after I, um, I record just because I have other things to do. But I'll probably post this today on the day of recording, just not right away. Maybe at night because um, currently... Um, I have things I need to do. There's the home run derby, the baseball home run derby that I want to watch. Um, so we'll see how it goes, but I was, I'm thinking about making a Twitter account. By the time this is up, I may or may not have a Twitter account for this podcast. We'll see how that goes. But, um, yeah, some personal news. I think that my brain is powerful in ways I did not expect. And I'm going to explain why. So if you follow basketball, if you've been watching sports, if you've been on Twitter, you know that Kevin Durant, formerly of the Golden State Warriors, currently on the Brooklyn Nets, he tore his Achilles. He ruptured his Achilles. He's out for next season. He's, you know, he's out of commission for a while. And I was, you know, thinking, I've been talking about a little bit, and it's like, man, that sucks. 
And I was just thinking about there's a dog that's barking. My apologies. My apologies. Um, he seems to be or she. I don't know which one, but seems to be, you know, going after it. But what I was trying to say is I've been thinking about how bad an Achilles injury must suck. Like Achilles injuries are terrible. And as I'm thinking about like what would happen if I had an Achilles injury, I started to get Achilles pain. Not that my Achilles tendon is torn or anything like that, but I started to feel pain in my Achilles. And, you know, I've been trying to lay low on my exercise because I don't want to strain this any further and have like a bad experience but what's really crazy is like kevin durant should not have been playing now that like my achilles is a little bit sore like every time like my calf muscle like flexes like you're using your achilles and kevin durant hurt his calf at first and then he hurt his achilles because all that shit is connected and like in the back of your mind you know that but I didn't really realize it until it happened to me. And of course, my situation is nowhere near as serious as Kevin Durant. But part of me thinks that the reason why it's sore and that it kind of hurts now is because I've been thinking about it so much. And because I've been thinking about it, my body has manifested it. My other theory, if it's not my brain, it's I have been trying to incorporate more jogging in my life. Because I walk a lot. I've walked for like the past year at least. I've been walking um, at least a couple miles a day. And when I was in high school, I walked to school every day. I walked to and from school every day. In college, I walked to and from school every day. I didn't have a car. Um, And you know, you walk all around campus. And now in my job, in my life, I, I walk a lot. So I... Like in the mornings, I was incorporating a little bit of jogging, like not even a lot of jogging, not even like a full jog. Like I would jog for like five to 10 minutes in my walking routine. So I would take time once I got to a certain point in my walk, I would jog. And then once I got to the next point, I would start walking again. And I don't think I'm built for jogging right now. I don't think I'm used to it because I walk a lot, as I've said, and I played baseball growing up and baseball is a game of sprinting. Like you hit the ball, you sprint to first base, you sprint 90 feet. If you hit a double, a triple, you're sprinting the whole way. If you're playing defense, you're sprinting to a ball, you're sprinting to get a ground ball, but it's very short bursts of energy, right? Because baseball, you're, you know, you're waiting for the pitch. You're waiting for the ball to be hit. Once the ball is hit, then you sprint to wherever you need to be. And then you, you know, you go back to your position. Then you do it over and over again. You sprint to where you need to be. And of course, in practice and in conditioning, you run a lot and all that stuff. But baseball, at the end of the day, is a game of sprinting and explosiveness. You have to explode really, really quickly. And I've never been like fast. I've never been like a fast runner, but I could sprint 90 feet to first base. You know what I mean? I can sprint to catch a fly ball. Um, So those type of things are 
like what I'm used to. I'm not used to endurance running. I'm not used to jogging for a long period of time. And I think that because I've incorporated like jogging, my body is not used to it. And that might be another reason why I'm fucked up. But like, it's crazy because like when you get this type of situation, you want to like lay off it. You want to, you know, rest. But when it's your foot, when it's your Achilles, like your feet are your base of your body. So when you're moving, you have to use it. So it's hard to stay off it. But, you know, ice it, elevate it, do that type of stuff. And I should be good to go. I don't want to go to a doctor for this because I feel like I'd waste the doctor's time. But I do think that, um, like, I do need to rest it. Like, I have somewhere I need to be. And it's something that I would usually walk. Like, I'm the type of person that, like, I'll drive and I'll park a little bit farther away just so I can walk. Just because, like, driving and, like, being in the car, like, I feel like my legs are a little cramped up. So I like to, you know, walk a little bit to my destination. Um, I'm that type of dude. So, like, I am going to drive where I need to be in a place where I would usually walk, which will save me time, of course, which is a little bit of, like, why I have time to do this podcast right now is because I'm going to drive to where I need to be. But... I do think that, like, I'm not built for jogging. And, like, I need to drive when I would rather walk. I don't even like driving, to be honest. Like, I, I'd rather walk. Like, if I can walk, I will. And I think, like, walking is, like, very, like, therapeutic. And you get to see... You get fresh air, first of all. And I really like seeing, like, my surroundings, like what's on the ground like what type of litter is there today like people hate litter and i get that but like i find like artistic value in litter and i realize that that sounds like kind of a douchebag thing to say but like i do and like i like walking and hopefully i don't have to do anything to my Achilles. I just rest it. I've been resting it for a few days and I've been walking less for the past few days, but hopefully I'll be back to normal and I can do as much walking and jogging as I want. Like, I don't even like jogging that much, but um, I do like walking and I do want to continue to walk. So I'm going to rest as much as possible. But yeah, I, enough about me. Enough about me. You don't care about me. You care about the world at large. Um, so I wanted to talk about sports for a second. Um, baseball is my favorite sport. I watched the Futures game, which is like only people who like really fuck with baseball watch the Futures game. But like you have to like either stream it on MLB.com or pay for MLB Network to get the Futures game. But I love the Futures game. I love seeing the stars of tomorrow. But and the thing about the Futures game is... Either you get really intense pitching or you get like crazy hitting. And the year before this year, it was a lot of offense, a lot of power. And then this year, it was like some crazy good pitching. It was like polar opposite games. And like, I think that if you're like looking to get into baseball, like, of course, like you have your favorite pro team and all that stuff. But I think the futures game and like young people baseball is a good way to get into baseball just because like 
you get to see, you know, people coming up through the system. I'm not saying like watch minor league baseball or college baseball whenever you can, because a lot of times they aren't like broadcasted like that. But if you can find some like lower level baseball, like I live in a city where there's like an independent baseball team. If you can find some lower level baseball, some minor league baseball, some college baseball, a futures game and like I feel like that's a good gateway to get into baseball but the way baseball works is that only hardcore fans seek out lower level baseball most people just stick with pros they don't give a fuck about minor leagues they don't give a fuck about college they don't give a fuck about softball or anything like that but I think the way to get into baseball is to like look at those um lower levels like football and basketball have a strong collegiate um, culture, and those athletes should get paid, by the way. But people can get into college basketball or college football a lot easier, I think, than college baseball. Like, college baseball is only really broadcasted during um, the College World Series, which is good baseball. And, like, I myself, I don't watch college baseball like that. Like, I barely watch college baseball, but I make sure to get some time to watch a Futures game. Um, the independent league is starting up. It's they've are there are a few games in, so I might catch an independent game or two if I have some time. I want to get out to a Giants game sometime this year um, before the season is over. But I think that lower level baseball should be appreciated more. And I think if you appreciate, if you are considering getting into baseball, I would suggest finding some lower level baseball to get into. But the All-Star Game in the Home Run Derby is today. The All-Star Game is tomorrow at time of recording. And that makes a year of this podcast because when I started this podcast, I was um, I was talking about the All-Star Game. So we've had about a year of this podcast. And the MLB All-Star Game kind of happens when there's no other sports. Hockey is done. Football is done. Basketball is done. Um... We had the Women's World Cup this year, but that just ended, and I want to talk about that too um, for a little bit. But it happens at a good time for baseball because this is baseball. Baseball really kicks up at this point of the year. Um, And I think the All-Star Game should be good. The Home Run Derby, like Home Run Derby can be boring depending on who's in it, but they have uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in it, who like the league is trying to push super hard for good reason because his dad is a hall of famer and he's really good and he's a rookie and he's gonna be in the the fucking home run derby so i'm excited to see what he can do um but yeah home run derby is hit or miss for me but the all-star game should be fun um and what i love about baseball all-star games is one not everyone in the all-star game is having a terribly great season because every team needs an all-star. So sometimes you get those guys who are like just average, but they're the best player on a shitty team. So they're in the all-star game. And then you get like people who you wouldn't expect because there's so many all-stars. Like in basketball, you get like one or two surprises sometimes. Like this year we had Chris Middleton as an all-star like he he's not like a superstar in this league like he's famous for Milwaukee Bucks fans but he's not a superstar in the league um and he was an all-star this year and with football no one really cares because the all-star game or the pro bowl is after the season people don't give a fuck 
I like people don't have the same appetite for football when it's the Pro Bowl. Um, so people don't really give a fuck about who makes the Pro Bowl. And baseball is like you get like the success stories. You get people who had shitty years last year who are good this year. You get a lot of feel good stories with baseball all star teams. Like Hunter Pence is a great story because Hunter Pence was great and then he fell off and now he's like a most improved player of the year. Oh, my voice just went out a little bit. Hold on. Excuse me. <clears throat> oh, wow. But like I was saying, Hunter Pence is a great story. Lucas Giolito of the Chicago White Sox was literally the worst starting pitcher last year. And now he's an all-star this year. He's one of the best starting pitchers this year, which is a feel-good story. Um, for my, my hometown Giants, um, we have Will Smith as our only all-star. Will Smith is not like a household name, at least not the baseball Will Smith. The actor is. Um, and he is like one of the best closers in the league right now. Um, and it's be- partly because the Giants are not good, but it's also because like he gets a chance to shine finally on um, the Giants. So he gets to be an all-star, which is, I think, really cool. And I think that the MLB all-star game has like, the people who, like, in terms of merit, maybe don't deserve to be there, but also has, like, the feel-good stories that deserve to be there. And that's what I really like about the, the baseball all-star game. So it should be fun. It should be fun to see. Um, And, like, people like Sonny Gray. Like, Sonny Gray is, like, the butt of a lot of jokes because he's been underwhelming since he had great seasons. But he's um an all-star this year. So it's just really, really good um to see. But basketball nba free agency is happening or most of it has already happened we have anthony davis to the lakers kevin durant and kyrie irving to the brooklyn nets Kawhi leonard and paul george to the clippers a whole bunch of things malcolm brogdon to the pacers damian lillard staying with portland because he's loyal as all fucking get out i just want to say that sometimes in basketball, like this free agency has been wildly entertaining, but it feels like in basketball, if you're a good enough player, you're always a free agent. Because basketball players, it feels like they have more leeway to demand a trade than other sports. Like if I'm LeBron James, if I'm Paul George, if I'm Kawhi Leonard, I can request trades rather easily. I don't think other sports and other players can request trades and part of it i think is like there's so few players on an nba team like there's only five starting players only five positions so if you're a star player you're really really famous so i think like you have so much power within your organization you don't have all the power of course but you have so much power that you can demand a trade like almost willy-nilly and like we saw Kawhi, he was playing chess with the Lakers and the Clippers and having meetings and all that stuff. Because he's so powerful, even though he doesn't talk that much, he is so powerful. He can request a trade. And it's almost like you're a free agent, even when you're not a free agent. And these people are, are in cahoots. There's so much like tampering that's not tampering. That is like, it, it's so wild to think how much like leeway these players have even if they're free agents or not like i feel like all the top players are free agents regardless of their contract situation of course players want to stay players want to leave but 
that's what it feels like is every good player is a free agent. And it's like, oh man, this is crazy. This is so dramatic. It's like a soap opera. I've said it before, and this is not an original take, but the NBA is so theatric off the court that it almost trumps what it is on the court. And I feel like part of it is like, you know, the ball is life mentality also that like, like they work so hard at playing basketball. And I think basketball and soccer are like the main sports that you can like say, this is my life. Like basketball players, like they dedicate their life to basketball. Ball is life. They love basketball so fucking much. It's ridiculous. Like, I feel like in football, in baseball, in hockey and other sports, like, or hockey maybe, because they take some fucked up injuries. But in those other sports, it's like, if I get injured and I retire, okay. Like, it sucks, but okay. I feel like in basketball and in soccer, like, those people play until they, like, really, really can't play anymore. Like, even if they retire from the league, like, they're still playing. They're still playing at, like, fucking 24-hour fitness and shit. And, like, you see it in, like, high school players and college players. Like, everyone's trying to get to the league. Everyone's saying ball is life, ball is life, ball is life. And because, like, they're saying that and they finally made it to this NBA arena, most players, with the exception of, like, Kawhi Leonard, like, they want that fame and they want that recognition and it spills over to the off-the-court stuff. And you see it also, like, now with, like, you know, fashion in the NBA. Like, sometimes it's, like, you care about your fashion just as much as you care about the game. And I think it's just, that's the mentality that a lot of basketball players have. Is that they're going to get to the league no matter what. They can't have a regular job until they get to the fucking league. And it's it's crazy to me. But NBA offseason has been wild. Um, I'm not sure off the top of my head who else we have to, to wait for. Because Anthony Davis signed Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker. Um, Chris Middleton took a shit ton of money from the Bucks. Oh my god. Oh wow. I've been drinking water and of course I burp. But Chris Middleton took a shit ton of money from the Bucks. Paul George. Um, I think Russell Westbrook is looking at um, requesting a trade from the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, but yeah, it's been wild. And I want to shout out to Woj and Shams. I know they don't know who I am, but like Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN works harder than anybody when it comes to Twitter. And he's breaking the news faster than anyone. And Shams Sharania is like baby Woj. But I want to shout out to Shams particularly um, because Woj has a nickname for his tweets, Woj Bombs. Whenever Woj breaks news, it's a Woj bomb. Shams, who is like South Asian, he doesn't have a nickname like that. You can't have him in association with bombs without it sounding racist, right? So because you have that, he doesn't have a cool nickname that has anything even close to a Woj bomb. You can't have a Shams bomb because that just has a bad you know, connotation to it. So I feel bad that he doesn't have a nickname like that. But Shams works hard too, but he probably won't get the same notoriety until Woj retires, which won't be for a while, I don't think. But they, those dudes, they work, they work so fucking hard. And like 
being an NBA insider and having all that like top secret information, like being a reporter in that way, like I think that we don't give them enough credit for what they do. I feel like that's like a lot of emotional work that you have to do. A lot of like mentally taxing work that you have to do. So I have the utmost respect for both of those people and anyone who's an insider in sports. I feel like when dealing with all those personalities at once and keeping all those secrets at once and tweeting like no one has ever tweeted before at once, it's it's a lot. Um, and I, 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 I respect that a lot. Um, but let's talk about more sports. Let's talk about the U.S. women's national team for soccer. Um, I know the men's national team was runner-up in the gold club, so shout out to the men. Um, but shout out to the women for winning the fucking World Cup again. Um, and it's been crazy, like, the reporting on the U.S. women's national team. Because I remember a few years ago when the main focus of the women's national team was how hot Alex Morgan is. And Alex Morgan is hot. Like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that Alex Morgan is not beautiful because she is. What I'm saying is that that was like the main takeaway was how beautiful Alex Morgan is. And now, like, we started with the celebrations, right? And I personally think that sportsmanship is overrated. And I think that if you can celebrate, celebrate, right? I also think that if you don't like the celebration, you can say it. It's all fair. It's all debate. It's all shit talking. I'm fine with it. But I think that if another team that wasn't America was celebrating in the same way, I don't think it would get they would get as much hate unless the hate stemmed from some type of racism. Because when America celebrates in front of other countries, we're just being typical Americans. Like we're being typical Americans and people already think Americans show off. We already think Americans are greedy. We think all these things about Americans or non-Americans think that about Americans. So the fact that you like they were celebrating in front of Thailand's face, scoring 13 goals for Thailand or against Thailand, like it, it feels like America making fun of the global south in a way that like it's like symbolic in that way. So I see where people are coming from. But at the same time, if you score a goal in the World Cup, you deserve to celebrate. Like if you score a touchdown, you deserve to celebrate. If you hit a home run, you slam dunk, you hit a game winner. You deserve to celebrate like that's a major accomplishment, a major athletic feat that people don't often do. So I'm fine with the celebrations. I think some of them were kind of wild. Like in the first game, Megan Rapino was like doing like a jackknife thing with her knee. And like at first I was like, you can't do that. What? But it was like, it was funny, but it was like, yeah, I see like symbolism there of like American chauvinism. But other than that, you can fucking celebrate. And then it was saying like, oh, the Americans are pissed off about the cele- about the criticism of them being celebrating. And then they were saying, we're not going to the fucking White House. And then they were like under the pressure to win the World Cup. And then they win the World Cup. And Megan Rapinoe is the best soccer player ever. And Alex Morgan is one of the best soccer players ever. And they won. Congratulations. And there's also the talk about equal pay for American women versus American men. 
because the men make hella money. The women make decent nine to five money. Like, I think the women get like 90,000 if they win and the men get 500,000. Like 90,000, like, I don't make $90,000 in a year. Like, 90000 is good money. Like, you can make a living off that money. But when com- if the men are getting half a million, then, yeah, that's not fair. I And I think that they should be paid equally. My question is, do other countries pay equally? Because I know other countries put are starting to put more effort into developing women's um, soccer teams. So I don't know if they're pay- other countries are paying women equally. I mean, it's not to say that just because they don't do it means that we shouldn't do it. We should do it. I'm saying, like, I don't see that energy for anyone else. And I wonder if they do. Like, I wonder if England or France are paying their women equally. They should pay their women equally, too. I just haven't seen that outrage for anyone other than the U.S. women's team. Because, I mean, women should be paid more in a lot of cases. We see this with the WNBA. Um, Players want more money. They don't want the same as men in the WNBA, but they do want a higher rate. We've seen it in women's hockey where they're not getting paid literally anything. Like, women's hockey, like, they need money. It's not that they need equal pay. The women's hockey leagues need actual fucking money like i've actually like been considering um paying for wnba league pass just because like i like basketball and i like you know watching the wnba um and it's not as accessible to me because i don't have league pass um there's also not a bay area team so i don't have like a local team to root for but i've been considering that it's only like 15 dollars for wnba league pass um but Like, those things, like, are issues that we need to face. Like, women in the WNBA, like, have to go overseas to Europe to get, like, a decent living year-round. Women in the Women's Hockey League, I say Women's Hockey League because there are several, they just need money. Like, period. Like, they're not getting shit. They're getting, like, $300. That's crazy. That's probably an exaggeration, but they just need money. Which is wild to me that they're not getting paid shit. And a lot of these women are also not American. So it's not like the same, like exact same comparison. But they need money. Like these are Canadian women. They need fucking money. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, but I, I just don't know how other countries are handling this. Sexism exists in more places than the United States. So I'm sure that there are some places that aren't paying women as much as men. But it's just crazy to think about like how little some women are getting. Um, but anyway, there's more sports. We have to talk about tennis. I almost never talk about tennis. Um, but I'll say like I find enjoyment in pretty much any sport except for UFC and boxing and wrestling. Like I'm not too big on those sports. I don't like fighting like that. I'll watch football players fight when they get angry or hockey players or basketball players or baseball players but like professional fighting is not my speed um it's just not um but tennis i don't i'm not a big tennis fan i like you know venus williams serena williams and venus williams got beat by a 15 year old and i just wanted to say a couple things congrats to the 15 year old Corey goff i believe her name is 
um, for an amazing achievement at Wimbledon. But people are in shock that a 15-year-old beats Venus Williams. Venus Williams, I believe, is 39. And I'm not trying to be ageist here. I'm really not. I'm just trying to... Um, I'm going to Google her age just to make sure. Yeah, Venus Williams is 39 years old, right? With, and she's an elite athlete, right? But think about this. In most cases, in athletic competitions, you're going to take the 15-year-old over the 39-year-old. Like if a 15-year-old and a 39-year-old were having a foot race, you'd expect the 15-year-old to win, right? If you're talking about like endurance or like stamina or kickball or anything, like you'd expect a 15-year-old to win. 15-year-olds have a lot more energy. 15-year-olds, you know, are nearing their athletic peak. You would think that you would take the 15-year-old in a lot of cases. But when it comes to like professional sports, you think that the veteran is going to beat the rookie, right? Like that's just how it is. Like, um, it's always shocking when, like, a rookie pitcher strikes out, like, a veteran or, like, a rookie, you know, dunks on a veteran, stuff like that. But if you think about it, outside of professional sports, if someone is almost 40 compared to someone who's 15, 16, you're usually going to take the younger person. Like, it's a weird type of thing. Like, congratulations, Corey Goff. It's a huge uh, accomplishment. It's just, it's crazy to think that, like, in everything except the pros, usually you take the younger person. The, um, the person who has, like, the brightest future ahead of them. But in this case, in tennis's case, like, everyone's shocked. It's, it's kind of funny to me. Um, but, yeah, congratulations to her. Um, but what else can we talk about today? Um, I've been, you know, I've been taking a break from the podcast. I've also been taking a break from YouTube. I haven't posted as many videos. Um, one thing I did get on YouTube while I was away, got another fucking Eminem fan and Eminem, Eminem fans, like I'm not big on Eminem. I've always said that Eminem can rap. He is good at rapping but I don't like his music. I can acknowledge that he can rhyme very well. I acknowledge that he's good at what he does, but I also don't want to listen to anything he does. I have less than 10 Eminem songs that I really want to listen to. And people take so much fucking offense to that, it's crazy. Like people think you're a bad person if you don't like Eminem. I don't fucking understand. And I feel like what I'm saying is rational, what people don't understand. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I'll say Lil Pump is better than Eminem. I'll say Lil Yachty is better than Eminem. Because I'd rather listen to that music, even if it's not technically as good, it's more enjoyable to listen to. And when I say that, people think that I only listen to mumble rap and that I don't listen to anything else. That seems like it's poor comprehension on your part. Maybe it's not. Maybe I'm not explaining it properly. But if I say Lil Pump is better than Eminem, that doesn't mean that Lil Pump is the best rapper ever. It means that's an insult to Eminem, not an insult to Lil Pump or not an insult to any other rapper. When I say that I prefer a mumble rapper over someone who may be overly lyrical, 
That doesn't mean that I don't like lyrical rap. I don't fucking get it at all. And I feel like you you insult Eminem and they just take it out of proportion. I feel like the, the comprehension is lacking so much. And I'm not saying every Eminem fan is like that. But people who come to Eminem's defense, the stands, the dude who coined the fucking word stand, um, are the ones who are fucking annoying. I don't understand standing, by the way. I think I've mentioned that before. But, like, I don't stand anyone. If you see me and you think I stand someone, I don't. If I stand someone in the past or if I said I stand anyone in the past, I don't. That was a joke. I'm not serious. I don't mean that I stand anyone. I don't. I watch TV. I listen to music. I have people that I'm fans of, people that I enjoy, but I am not a stand. Being a stand... I feel like like Stan Twitter and Stan Instagram, all that stuff, I don't think they realize that being a Stan is bad. Like, being a Stan is actually bad. Um, and, like, they try to, like, cancel people. Like, Stan Twitter is, like, the most notorious for canceling people, I believe, if I'm not you know, mistaken. And I feel like they cancel people just to cancel people. And I made this out before, but, like, sometimes, like, People have gone so long without canceling people that they just need someone to cancel. They need to cancel a famous person because they haven't canceled someone in three weeks. So then they'll start like this artificial cancellation that ends up not doing anything to the artists in real life because artists are very rarely canceled in real life. They're really only canceled on the internet. But I feel like sometimes the cancellation is manufactured in a way that I really just, I just don't like. Um, I think it's not productive. And I feel like if someone is, you know, makes a mistake, it depends on what the mistake is, a case-by-case basis, a case-by-case basis, excuse me. And it depends on how long ago they did it and how, you know, how have they changed? What's their behavior? Like I've said before, like, I operate on a premise, like, in my real life, I operate on a premise that everyone has said the N-word. As a black person myself, I operate that everyone that I interact with has said the N-word before. And then I don't judge them based on that. I judge them based on what they're doing now. If they're black, if they're not black, whatever, I assume that all of you have said the N-word. And that way, I just get a clean slate and I don't have to worry about it. Um... But yeah, it's just like the cancellation is crazy. It was a company. There was a company that was, um, it was advertising a sweepstakes. And they said, legal residents of the United States are eligible to apply. And of course, you know, with the issue at the border in this country, um, issues with DACA and undocumented people, people tried to cancel them for saying legal residents must apply. The problem with that is they tried to cancel this company and I don't really remember what the company was. But the problem with that is the company saying legal U.S. residents is just following American law. You can say that the law is fucked up and I agree that the law is fucked up, but they're just following American law and you're canceling them for following the law for a sweepstakes that you didn't even want, probably. And you're just starting to cancel them. And it's like, what the fuck? Oh my goodness, no one is safe.
And I don't want to be that person that's saying that you can't say anything anymore because I really don't believe that. And I am a left-wing person through and through and through and through and through. I'm just saying that sometimes y'all get a little bit carried away. And I feel like on Twitter or on the internet, sometimes it feels like you can't, if you disagree with someone, you it's assumed that you hate them. And I don't want to be that. Like I'm going to give an example of Pokemon. In Pokemon, there's an issue with something called the National Decks. And in that issue or in that um in the National Decks, what has happened in the past with Pokemon is that you can take your Pokemon from an old game through a new game with a feature called the National Decks. And you can transfer Pokemon from one game to another. And I've discussed this a little bit in other forms, so I won't get too deep into it. But my basically, people are mad and they're considering not buying the game because in the new Pokemon games coming up, there is no National Decks, meaning that not every single Pokemon is available, right? And my side is that I don't give a fuck. I'm going to play the game regardless. I don't care about the National Decks. I don't think it's a big deal. So when a, what seems like the majority on the internet are saying that this is a big deal and some people that I like their content, like Pokemon YouTubers, Pokemon personalities, if I disagree with them or if I tweet at them saying I disagree, I've steered clear of that just because I don't want to seem like I hate them. I don't want to get into an argument and make it seem like I hate them because I don't. I just disagree on an issue. And I feel like sometimes when you disagree on things, like it makes it seem like you hate them completely. And part of that is like because a lot of discussions are political. And when you disagree politically, like sometimes it seems like that. But Pokemon is not politics. Pokemon is Japanese monster babies. And I still feel that way. Um, So I haven't done that. But I just feel like sometimes we, we can't disagree. And... I wish that I could disagree freely sometimes. Or let me rephrase that because that's not exactly what I mean. I can disagree freely, but I don't want to deal with the assumptions of other people saying that I hate them completely. And you see this a lot of times. It'll be like if someone's talking to a famous person or like replying to a famous person on Twitter or Instagram, they'll be like, yo, I love you, but this is bad. Or I love everything you do, but I don't love this certain thing. Or don't worry, I still love you, but what you did was wrong. And I feel like you don't need to preface it with that, or you shouldn't have to feel the need to preface it with that, but you do, because otherwise people are going to say that you hate everything about this person, or that's what people are going to think. And it's just it's just crazy that that's what it is right now. I'm not saying it's going to be like that forever, but I know that like based on what I see, I know that I'm not the only one who feels that way. Um and I don't want to be like free speech is being throttled because I don't believe that. That's not what free speech is. All I'm saying is that I choose my words and my replies so I don't have to deal with any type of backlash that I don't uh, that I'm not ready for, that I'm not prepared for, that I don't want, right? Another example is um, I made a video a long time ago about hats, like my baseball hat collection, because I have about 30 to 40 baseball hats. And I made a video 
in part of my video, I have two hats that are like special camouflage edition. And I said in that video, I don't remember exactly because it was a few months ago, but it was saying, I have these camo hats, but don't mistake me for someone who's like blindly following the military. I don't care about the military like that. And then I got a response in that video months later saying that you need to respect the military because they they provide stuff for you. And I responded, I was like, yo, no, they fucking don't. And I wanted to make it, like, it clear that like, I don't disrespect people in the military. I do disagree with things that the military does and like wars and stuff. But I don't disrespect people in the military just because they're in the military. I give everyone the same baseline level of respect. Like, I don't believe in disrespecting people you don't know. I respect everyone the same, and then your actions to me dictate whether you gain or lose respect. So if you're in the military, I'm going to give you the baseline level of respect. And if you turn out to be an asshole, I'm going to respect you less, basically. But what I don't believe, I don't believe in giving military members extra respect just because they're in the military. Because I don't know if you're a good person or not based on if you're in the military or not. So I don't think that I should just blindly give the utmost respect to a military member because they fought in a war. You chose to fight in the war. You didn't fight for my rights necessarily. You don't know who I am just because you're in the military. You made a choice. A lot of people in the military aren't fighting for rights anyway. A lot of people in the military are fighting for you know, their college to be paid or for a house or for, you know, security or they're in the military as like an accountant or something. You're not necessarily fighting for my rights, at least not the way I see it. The way I see it, you chose this and you made that decision largely based on you. Most of these people who are in the military, at least not the people that I talk to, they're not joining the military to protect freedom. They're joining the military for their own personal livelihood. So, and that's a choice that you make. You chose to do whatever you chose to do in the military. And like, I chose to not join the military. I chose to apply for college. I chose to get a job after college. You chose to apply in the military and get a job through the military. Those are just our decisions. That doesn't mean that I respect you more or less because you were in the military. It means that I'm not giving you extra respect just because you went to the fucking boot camp. That's not that's just not how I think is. You know, I don't think that mindset is healthy. Um to be completely honest, I don't think that you should blindly respect someone. You should, you know, see how they are in real life before you judge them. If that makes sense. Um but yeah. I those are those were some internet comments. I'm trying to get back into to YouTube. Um I'm want to do a Spider-Man review, Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, I've been doing like condensed reviews on Twitter. So like the review of my video on YouTube, I like to match at least somewhat to what I say on Twitter. Um, so I'll probably do that within 24 hours of the time of recording. Um, I made a video about Pokemon um, a little bit before this. So yeah, trying to get back consistently uploading videos. Although I do notice like when I stop uploading for a while, I gain subscribers. Because I don't have enough subscribers to like blow up, like 
I see every time I get a subscriber, I see every time I get a comment, you know? And, like, that's cool. And, like, I want to make it clear that hate doesn't bother me. But what does bother me is unsubscribers. Like, unsubscribing hurts more than a hate comment, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, that's what I've been doing. Um, I've been giving updates about a girl that I have a crush on on my Instagram stories. And I want to say... She's still watching my Instagram stories. And I want to say that I don't know if she likes me. I feel like sometimes when I give updates, it makes me seem like I know that she likes me. That's not what I... I don't know that she likes me. I think that there's a possibility that she likes me. And I know that I like her. (laughs) Um, Like, I like... Whenever I see, like, her face on, like... My story viewers, like, my heart skips a beat. Like, when I see, like, her selfies and all that stuff, I'm like, Jesus, fuck. How is a person, like, casually beautiful like this? You know what I mean? And I know that I like her. I don't know that she likes me. I know that she likes my pictures. I know that she's responded to my story. I know that she thinks that I'm funny. And I think she thinks that I'm smart. Um... But I don't know if she thinks I'm good looking or anything like that. But she's still watching my stories and she's still liking my pictures. And it's just like, fuck. I want to talk to you, but I don't want to make it awkward. And I don't want to, you know, react to every Instagram story you post. I don't want to be thirsty like that. But like, I'm thinking like, should I like this picture right away? Or like, damn. This picture is good, but I'm not going to like this picture so that she doesn't think that I'm creeping on every single picture. So I'm not going to like every single picture. Like, that's where my mindset is at. And, like, honestly, like, I realize I'm being hypocritical when it comes to this because let me tell you what happened. So I made a story because Instagram has this new feature where you can, like, click on a button and it takes you to request a DM for the person. And it's a new feature. They just put it out. And I made a story as a joke, right? I made a story as a joke. And I put the questions feature where you can ask people's question in one hand. And I said questions. And in the other corner, I put the new chat feature. And I said compliments and or sexual advances, right? So I did that. And then I didn't get any chat recommendations, right? I didn't get anyone requesting to be in the chat, which I expected. I got a couple questions that I answered on my story, but I didn't get any DMs, right? And the girl who I like, she saw the story. She didn't request a DM. That's fine. I didn't really expect her to. But this other girl who I know fancies me, who I know like thinks I'm attractive. I know she like at least a little bit likes me and she responds to my story sometimes too. She requested a DM. Like the story was almost um done with. Like the um, like it, w- it had been almost 24 hours by the time I saw it. And I wanted to I didn't want to like completely curve her, although that's kind of what I did, but I just had to think about what I want to say because I don't want to lead this person on to think that I actually am interested in dating them 
in any way because I'm not. But if the girl that I actually like would would have done that, I would have done it in a heartbeat, right? But what happened was I thought too long about what I wanted to say. And by the time I figured out kind of what I wanted to say, the story had disappeared. So I couldn't like initiate that conversation. Um, but the fact that I labeled it, I labeled it as a joke, sexual advances. But the fact that I did label it that and that she requested it and I, she knows and I know that she thinks I'm handsome, at least. I just was like, whoa, this is a little bit uncomfortable. But if a different person had done that, I wouldn't have felt uncomfortable. You know what I mean? So it is hypocritical, but you like what you like. Um, And I haven't, I don't think I've given any physical describers of either of these people, but I have talked about this girl before um, on an earlier episode. But I did like, I'm just like, I'm like literally like, infatuated with this girl and it might go away like my infatuation might go away because i feel like instagram knew that i liked her before i did you know what i mean like her pictures were popping up first on my feed her stories are recommended first in my feed she shows up first when she views my stories and she it was happening that way before like i developed like a little bit of feelings for her you know what i mean so I was like, yo, Instagram knows. And then like now I know. And it took me a little bit of time to realize it. But Instagram fucking knows, dude. Um, And I've been telling a couple of people. I was like, yo, like I how should I proceed with this person? Like I really like her. Um, And no one's given me good advice yet. <laughs> but um, that's what's happening in my life. Um, I've also been watching Love Island. Um. And I mentioned this before, and I don't have any updates on Love Island that like aren't time sensitive. But what I have noticed is that since Love Island is a British show, like the concept of race in England is a little bit different than America. And I knew that already. Like I know that like here in America, someone from Indian or India is like we call them Indian a lot of the time. And a lot of South Asian people in the UK get called Asian. But we don't, in America, we don't really call South Asian people Asian. We usually call them by their ethnicity. And then people from China, Japan, Thailand, we call them Asian, right? So what I realized with Love Island is that there's black people and mixed people, like mixed with black and white. And those are like kind of two different classifications, like Cause there's like, cause people get eliminated on Love Island and people were like, oh, the only black girl got eliminated off Love Island. And in my mind, I was like, no, there's more than one black girl. But then as I was digging deeper, they were like, no, this person isn't black. She is mixed. There's differences in the UK between mixed and black. And even the black people are saying this. And I think like, because in America, people are mixed. But if people are mixed, they're still black. Like I like I don't necessarily think about mixedness right now. Like a lot of mixed people I talk to are like they either say I'm half white, half black or whatever, or they say I'm black and white. Like either you're half this and half another thing or you're fully one thing and also fully another thing. But the your ethnicity is still acknowledged even if you have more than one. 
And I feel like the discourse that's happening is like mixed is a tier, black is another tier. They're not better or worse than each other. They're just different tiers. Um, and it's like, because I identify as black, but my I have like lighter skin because my mom, she's like 60 to 70% um, African, like DNA wise. And my dad is like 85 to 90% African DNA wise. So um, when it comes to me, I'm like 75% African DNA. Um, but my skin is a little bit lighter. So if I go over to the UK, people might think I'm mixed and not black. When I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I'm mixed, I say that I'm black and people might not believe me. Whereas if I say I'm black in America, sometimes they think I'm mixed, but they wouldn't say you're not black. They would say you're black and X, Y, or Z, which just leads me to believe that race isn't fucking real. Like it's real because we treat it as real and it's real socially, but like biologically race isn't real because if it was, then we would all have the same category in the same terms, but we don't. That's all I want to say is a race. Like it just proves further that race isn't real. Like if you take like a lot of social science classes in college, or at least where I went to college, like you like they tell you that biologically race isn't real. But like the like the discourse around like race in Love Island was like, oh, I get it now. Race isn't real. Otherwise, I would be black everywhere. But I don't think I would be assumed black. I would be assumed mixed, which is different than just black. Whereas a mixed person in the United States, like say Zendaya, for example, we call Zendaya black all the time. Zendaya, I believe, I might have just assumed things, but I'm pretty sure Zendaya has a white parent um, in his mixed race. But we call Zendaya black or we say she's like half black, half white, that type of thing. We don't say just because she's mixed, she isn't black. And I feel like that's the the difference here. Also, I want to say like Love Island, I like Love Island and the United States version is coming soon. But I feel like the discourse around Love Island isn't productive because the way the show works, you can hate a character on the show and love them the next time. Like in a week, you can hate someone, love someone, hate them and love them again. And I think that the best way to do it is just to observe at a distance because at, the, at its core, Love Island is a social experiment, but I feel like people treat it as not a social experiment. And that's what creates sort of a toxic social media atmosphere. I don't know if it'll be the same in America when it premieres tomorrow, but that's what I see. It's like people are taking it as more reality than it is when really it's a science experiment to see if people can fall in love or if people can kiss or whatever. That's basically what it is. Um, but anyway, after all of that, I have to do a podcast review. And my podcast review today is going to be so aggressive. And I found this podcast on Instagram because the host of the show, Vanessa Johnston, she had like a stand up routine on Instagram. It was about Pokemon Go. And I clicked on it, followed her page. Or I don't I don't follow her. I clicked on her page saw that she had a podcast, started listening to it. She's a professional, you know, stand-up comedian. And so aggressive is what, like, it, it describes why I don't label myself as comedy. Like, I might tell jokes. Like, I actually got a comment on a video today that said that my video was funny, even though, like, I'm not, like, labeling it as comedy. 
because I might tell jokes. I might not be serious. I honestly don't think that this podcast is super funny. I think that what I say is compelling in some way. And sometimes I say things that are funny, but I don't, this isn't like specifically to be comedy. But the reason why I don't label as comedy, and I said this before, is because I don't want everything to be forced into a joke. And so aggressive is labeled as comedy because Vanessa Johnson is a comedian. But a lot of the podcast isn't necessarily funny. There are funny moments and she does tell jokes and she is very funny. But the whole thing is not funny per se. It's an interview podcast and sometimes the interview topics get very deep and serious. So because it's very deep and serious, it's not always very funny. And like maybe it would be better served under a different um, label. But the podcast itself is good. Um, I think that Vanessa Johnson, she's interviewing like her friends in the comedy scene and elsewhere. And like there is funny moments, serious moments, um, educational moments. I do think sometimes the interviews get a little awkward. Like sometimes like they talk over each other, but it's nothing that's like game changing or a deal breaker. Overall, it's good. Vanessa Johnson is funny. The guests are funny and compelling, um, but the whole thing is not funny. There are long stretches of time where there's no jokes being told. And like, what's a comedy if there's no jokes? Like sometimes I see things and it's like labeled as a comedy and there's no jokes in it. <laughs> like, like. I don't like I don't know if it would be better served under another title, but like I don't label my shit as comedy because I don't want to feel pressured to make it funny. If I'm going to make it funny, it's going to be on my own terms. And I feel like because Vanessa Johnson is a comedian and there is some sort of production behind this, she makes it funny and or she labels it comedy and she makes some things funny, but not everything can be funny. Um, I think like some podcasts are incredibly funny, like um, All Fantasy Everything is incredibly funny and it's a comedy podcast. Um, But I feel like most of the time a podcast is better off served under something more neutral so that you're not expecting a joke after joke after joke after joke. Um, And I've expressed that before, but I'm going to express it again. But don't take that to mean that So Aggressive is bad because it's not. I would give So Aggressive, it's also a fairly new podcast. I give it probably like a 7.25 out of 10. Um, I think it's pretty good and I like the interviews and I like everything about it. Um, And I just, I don't give incredibly high ratings because I don't think I've ever listened to a perfect podcast yet. Um, But not everything is funny, of course. That means that people don't always get the jokes you tell because you don't label yourself as a comedian. But that's the issue I chose. Instead of being pressured to be funny, I chose people potentially not getting that I'm telling a joke. That's what I did. But So Aggressive is pretty good. Um, It's so with like three O's. So it's not S-O aggressive. It's like S-O-O-O aggressive. But it's pretty good. You can go check it out. I think they have YouTube videos and Apple Podcasts and all that shit. Um, But yeah, go for it. Um, But yeah, that's all. Um, I did this with no breaks. I talked for an hour with no breaks, which is great. um, Because since I've been out the game for a few weeks, I got got all gas, no breaks in this one. So um, yeah, thank you for 
listening or watching on YouTube, even though I'm not recording this, so you're just listening to the audio on YouTube. But thank you. Um, rate if you want to rate it. Um, I appreciate you. Please be safe. Love you. Goodbye.